0: with that we bring you back to elephant in the room the official gwcr's podcast first i'd like to apologize for the delay in releasing this episode fall break midterm exams and how a weekend threw a wrench in the planning and coordination for this episode and set the schedule uh back but we're back uh we have another great episode and a special guest today before we dive into that i'll plug our socials by saying if you're listening and interested in becoming more involved in gwcr's Definitely check out our Instagram, at GWCRs, and our Twitter, at GWRepublicans, for all events and opportunities. Also, be sure to join us on Engage if you haven't already. With all that being said, let's give a warm welcome to GWCR's Chairman, Ezra Meyer. Happy to have you on, Ezra.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jackson.
0: Ezra is from not too far from here, right in Maryland?
1: From Chevy Chase, Maryland, right outside the swamp.
0: And you're currently a senior majoring in public policy and economics, correct?
1: Correct, yeah, with a minor in history.
0: Nice, nice. I've gotten to know Ezra better during our time on the board this year, and he's doing a great job uh, so far. Uh, Ezra, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, their chairman.
1: Sure. So, as Jackson said, I'm a senior. I'm double majoring in economics and public policy, um, although I'll be going into finance for a little bit right after college. Um, before being chairman, I was director of public relations, uh, so I was Jackson's predecessor in that role, and before that, I was president of the student group GW for Israel, um, so, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot of work to be done there, leading that org throughout COVID, and it also was a great opportunity to kind of get a trial run leading a GW organization before, uh, taking over fully at GWCRs.
0: Great, great. Now let's get into our questions. Uh, You've been chairman since April, and in that time, a lot has happened, both on campus and in D.C. For example, GW announced the changing of the moniker, Justice Thomas stepped down from his his position on the law school, and the midterm elections have kept everyone on their toes. Um, What have some of your priorities been as chairman?
1: Sure. So as you mentioned, uh, we got off to quite, um, quite a tumultuous start to the year, Uh, with the university officially changing the mascot from the colonial. And so we kind of dove in headfirst there with uh, leading the response to that. Um, We released statements and uh, we did some media because we really thought that that was the wrong decision. And soon after that, there was a big op-ed published in the Washington Post that said that the name of the university itself should be changed. So with that, too, we led the response to that outrageous um, op-ed. And uh, yeah, so things just kind of spiraled from there over the summer. Coming into the fall, our focus has been on the midterms. It's really cool to have the opportunity to lead this organization during an election cycle. Um, So a lot of the events that we've had so far have revolved around that. We've done several phone banks. Uh, We've done deployments to Virginia. We have one coming up to New Jersey this coming weekend. and one of the things that I'm really proud of is we will be doing an election night watch party at the W, the, Washi- the Hotel Washington, right next to the White House. And so that's really an only at GW experience um, that we wanted to provide to our members. Uh, and so just all this increases activity and provides our members opportunities to get involved, especially in such an important election season.
0: Right, right, for sure, you know. Pedaling back to the summer, I distinctly remember, I think it was when Justice Thomas announced he was going to step down, like immediately getting a call from you and, and being on call with the rest of the kind of communications team. And so, right, you're absolutely right in how, you know, this summer we, we jumped into uh, just a, a whole mess of issues. Uh, but that's great to hear. Um, so, what do you hope to do in the remaining six months of your term?
1: Sure. So the focus has 100% been on the election. And that's over in a week. So we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit. Um, We're going to look at bringing speakers in because uh, we being in Washington, we love to have members of Congress come speak. um, And uh, just everyone's focus ours and theirs has been on campaigning um, and electing Republicans this November. So we'll shift gears and focus on speakers. Um, we have, uh, actually tomorrow, um, we have a debate with college Democrats, um, which will be really cool because uh, this year the Hatchet, the school newspaper, is moderating, which is something new. And that's, uh, that, that's something that's going to become a series and is going to continue into next semester. Um, we've got a Veterans Day event coming up. Um, we'll have our annual holiday party towards the end of the semester. Uh, and then we'd, uh, you know, we're planning to kick things off strong in uh, in the spring semester with a high-profile speaker. Stay tuned for that. Um, and just a lot of, uh, a lot more engagement opportunities for our members.
0: For sure, for sure. And then what pushed you to be chairman? You know, we interviewed Patrick Berland in our last segment, your predecessor, and he talked a bit about his experience as chairman during the COVID days. So yeah, what, what pushed you to be chairman?
1: For me, I... When I become involved with something, whether it's an organization or a group of some sort, um, I, I always like to have a say in what's going on. I don't just like to sit back passively and let things happen. I feel that, um, you know, I, I want to be as involved as possible in the running of stuff. So if you uh, flash back to about a year ago, I was actually on four eboards at the same time. Um, that was a bit much. I'm not sure I recommend doing that. I had very little time because I was also entering um, simultaneously. But, um, you know, college Republicans is something that I'm passionate about. Conservatism is something that I'm passionate about. Being in Washington and at such a political school like GW, uh, it's really frustrating to see how conservatives and Republicans are consistently demonized and just the comments that people make in classes like they don't even realize they think that they're in such an echo chamber and for the most part they are but then there's always a few conservatives who are just kind of like wait what on earth are they saying what on earth are they saying um and Jackson you probably remember this we had a class together last year the American presidency um where basically students in that class just thought it was an open invitation uh, to just say whatever they wanted about conservatives and, you know, essentially half the country. Um, and this wasn't, you know, they weren't just bringing up, you know, simple policy disagreements. They were stating things as fact, which were quite demeaning and, you know, just insulting to, you know, half the population of this country. And so we were sitting there in that class. And most of the time I just didn't engage because it wasn't worth it. These, you know, as we know, GW students in in classes oftentimes like to pontificate as if they're on cable news, when actually, you know, most students are just tuned out and aren't listening to what they're saying. But you know, sometimes we raised our hands when something outrageous was said, and so it's that kind of mentality um, that I I take with me, and those types of experiences that have driven me to uh, to want to lead uh, the conservative movement on this campus, um, and so that's why I got involved initially. That's why I ran for chair because. I wanted to lead that effort, um, and I, I'm really glad I did because, while it's a lot of work, it's a tremendously rewarding um, position, uh, and it's it's just great to be able to work with these people and to get to know fellow conservatives at GW.
0: Yeah, I was actually about to mention the uh, the American Presidency class. Too many games of, of solitaire in 2048 were played in that class on my behalf during those, I guess. Uh, Uh, rants and lectures that students would go on but but i absolutely agree with you on your on your point on that and you know i think that you've done a fantastic job this uh, thus far as chairman and i'm looking forward to see what else you do uh, in the next six months Uh, but switching gears a little bit the midterms are less than a week away at the present moment it seems like whoever will control congress in january could be picked by a coin flip We've had a lot of positive polling and debate performances among Republicans across the country in the past couple of weeks and I don't want to jinx it but do you think a red wave is coming? I
1: do think a red wave is coming. Um, I mean I you know I, I want to knock on wood a little bit but um, I, the house looks very good um, the Democrats have only had you know the slimmest of majorities for the past couple of years anyway um, and you know e- even if things, were average which they're not the uh, the incumbent president's party typically gets gets hammered in the midterms um, that being said things are not average the Biden administration has done a terrible job that's not just you know I mean obviously that's my opinion as a conservative but I think that's apparent if you if you speak to people across the country and look at the polling and look at his approval numbers um, and you know the same, is true of, of people's opinions when it comes to this Democratic-led Congress, if you look at Pelosi's approval ratings. So um, I, I, I really think that a red wave is coming. Like I said, the House looks good. The Senate was not looking great. All of a sudden, things have turned around. Even what I think are are, are modest projections by sites like five thirty eight now have, as, as of the time that we're recording this, now have – the Republicans at a better chance of controlling the Senate than the Democrats, and that's even with the handicap that we have of a 50-50 Senate going to the Democrats because of the Vice President. So things are very looking very optimistic. I'm I'm very glad that uh, we were able to take part in this over the course of the semester with a ton of campaigning and phone banking for great Republican candidates, not just locally in, in Virginia and and, and other uh, and other nearby seats, but really across the country. We've we've phone banked for uh, for candidates in Texas, in Virginia, and New Jersey, and in, in New York, um, and and beyond. Um, so, I I think given the hard work that Republicans across the country have put in to uh, to kind of just exposing the uh, the incompetence of of the Democrat leadership in Washington, I think given all of that, we are looking at a great night on November
0: eighth. I completely agree with you. Let's knock on wood there. Uh, what are To touch on that a little bit more, what are the, quote, winning issues that Republicans are using to uh, create this wave? I mean, some of them are pretty uh, clear cut and straightforward, things like crime, inflation. But I'll I'll, I'll turn that over to you.
1: Sure. So I I think it's 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 not just a matter of us, you know, looking at different issues and, and figuring out our best talking points to message we don't even need to do that because the Biden administration has just done such a poor job across the board. If you look at, you know, the situation that they were handed when they came into office, like, yes, COVID had affected things. But if you kind of disregard that and look at the actual incidents of the, of the policies that have been enacted, the country was, was strong and, and and on a path to, to, to be even stronger. And the Biden administration came in and on day one, they enacted a number of executive orders that threw a wrench in all of that. And so just, you know, people across the country aren't necessarily watching cable news every night, but, you know, they're focused on the issues that affect them on a daily basis, like inflation. I, I, I know that, you know, that might seem like Republican messaging, but it's not. I mean, if you look at it across the board you know prices are up 8.2 percent even if you look at 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 the core cpi numbers which which discounts food and energy it's still well over six percent it's over six and a half percent um and so you know when when someone's going to the grocery store and sees that that the food that they're trying to buy for their family is 12 percent higher than it was this time a year ago you know they don't need to hear republican messaging to realize that that's bad and that's, you know, that's going to drive them to the polls. The same with crime you have in Democratic led cities across the country, you have spiking crime and you have these district attorneys who are reluctant to prosecute. Um, and and now, you know, it's you're seeing Democrats say that, you know, they never wanted to defund the police since so they're just lying to people. And, you know, the American people are not that stupid. They know what's going on. They know who's in leadership in Washington. And, you know, they know what has happened to to, to their life and to their wallets in the past two years since the Democrats have been in office. So I think if you look at almost any issue across the board, Republicans are polling much better than Democrats for good reason, because of, you know, because of the merits of of what's being done in Washington and what's being proposed as solutions. So I think that's a big reason why people are turning to the Republican Party. It's not a political thing. it's, It's a real life thing.
0: For sure, for sure. And I'll, I'll turn over to one of the bigger issues that we're seeing, and that would be inflation. Uh, we could go on and on about the statistics surrounding inflation. You know, one that I recently saw was that in my home state of Tennessee. You know, Tennesseans are paying $7,000 more than they normally would for, for basic amenities. You know, people can't afford groceries, things like that. Uh, what do you think, hoping, or I mean, as we hope that the Republicans take back Congress, what can we do to, to solve the, uh, the Biden inflation?
1: Well, we need to stop spending so much. That's one of, you know, th- th- that's one of the leading forces, in my opinion, of inflation. When you're injecting trillions upon trillions of dollars into the economy, that is inherently inflationary. Um, when I've had this uh, this discussion or debate with, with Democrats, they'll point to COVID stimulus that was passed under Trump. Um, but, you know, there's... I, I do not think that's analogous when the economy was in the toilet because, or artificially because of COVID, you know, there was some stimulus needed, but then going beyond that was way too excessive. And, you know, if you even look at the, the legislation that they've passed, like the Inflation Reduction Act does nothing to actually combat inflation. Uh, the, the most generous analyses um, uh, even indicate that inflation will only be brought down by it In the latter years of the bill and five to 10 years from now, and everything that's immediate is additional spending that is inflationary. So you look at that, you look at bailing out student loans, which is, you know, a bad idea for so many reasons. But just from the inflation standpoint, you know, that is freeing up $10,000 in, you know, numerous people's pockets that is an inherently inflationary policy as well so just across the board almost everything that they're doing will cause inflation And this is this is typical to what democrats like to do we as conservatives believe in limited government we believe that power is best devolved as much as possible there are certain things that the federal government is necessary for but anything that it's not should be reserved for the states and the people the democrats don't believe that they think that everything should be solved at a federal level and so that is why they're spending so much. And, you know, I, I, I think some of them don't even realize that their spending is, is causing this pain for so many people.
0: Right. right. I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, but one more question about uh, the midterms, Who, just kind of a fun one. Who are some of your, your favorite candidates out there right now, Either, whether that's in the House, uh, the Senate elections or the gubernatorial elections? I personally am a big fan of. You know, like Dr. Oz up in Pennsylvania, he's turned out to be a pretty good candidate up there. Uh, Adam Laxell out in Nevada, Nevada. I mean, that is looking more and more like a pickup. Again, knock on wood, but he's doing great things out there. Uh, So I'll I'll turn that over to you.
1: Sure, yeah, I I like Oz. Um, I I think that's a seat that we should definitely win. Um, I I also think when contrasted with Fetterman, the choice is really clear for Pennsylvanians. like the policies that that man supports and his ability to do the job, I think are really questionable. Um, I, I think Adam Laxalt in Nevada is looking great. I think picking up that seat would be phenomenal for Republicans. You even look at States that, you know, might not even be in play like New Hampshire and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they are in play and some of the projections have us winning. So it'll be really interesting to see on election night if we can take some of those, um, I also think that it's incredibly important that not just in these toss-up battles, but in the uh, the states that are, you know, solid red, that we're electing candidates who aren't just going to be complacent in Washington, but who are going to be national figures and who are going to be rallying figures for the Republican Party, because that is what we need. Beyond just the votes, we need energy, because that... As soon as, you know, November 8th turns into November 9th, the focus is no longer on the midterms. The focus is on the 2024 election. And whoever the Democrat candidate is, whether it's Biden, whether it's Kamala, whether it's Buttigieg, whether it's Newsom or someone else, we need a Republican to win, whoever the Republican candidate is, because we need to counter all of these horrible policies that have been enacted in Washington over the last two years. So as I said, we need energy. We need strong candidates, and we need these candidates to win, and we need to get excited for 2024 when we're going to flip the White House.
0: Do you have any uh, particular particular candidates in mind for 2024 that you like?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to hold off on that for now and kind of see how it plays out. But um, overall, I think, I think it's really important that we support whoever the, the Republican candidate is.
0: Of course, I completely agree. Uh, some more candidates that came to mind uh, for me in this current cycle, you know, Lee Zeldin up in, in New York. Nobody thought that the New York gubernatorial election was going to be remotely close back in like August and September. And now it is. And, you know, maybe maybe he'll even be governor
1: like New Jersey last year. Exactly. We exactly. almost exactly won
0: like New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even in more red states, people like Eric Schmidt in Missouri or Katie Britt in Alabama, both fantastic uh, Senate candidates. So I- I'm really a fan of the slate that we have this year and I think we'll continue on very strongly in uh, 2024. Uh, for our final question, just kind of cycling back into the GWCR side of things, how well would you say that GWCR uh, has rebounded from the pandemic? You were a freshman in the days before COVID and saw what the org was like on that side. Uh, I wasn't here and all I've only heard stories from people like you, from people like Patrick, um, but have we made a great comeback thus far?
1: I think so. I think things are looking good. Um, Look, COVID, I I think across the board, we saw engagement drop in every single org. And I I was president of GW for Israel during that time. And one of my goals was not really to build upon it because I knew that things were tough, it was just to maintain so that we could hit the ground running when we got back to campus. Um, You know, I I, I took over for CRs about a a year um, almost after we got back to campus. So things were a little bit easier there. We kind of you know, had things started already and, you know, engagement is looking good. We've got some really great freshmen that want to get involved. Um, we also have some good upperclassmen. And so I'm really looking forward to our election night watch party. Um you know, I think it's phenomenal that we were able to get a great room at the W to do this. Uh you know, I, I don't wanna take too much of a cheap shot, but uh, you know, if you look at Dems, GW Dems, they're gonna be doing theirs in, in the district house basement so when you contrast the two, I'd say I'd say things are looking good for us. The debate tomorrow is going to be big, um, and just you know a, across the board, we've had a great diverse slate of events, a lot of different ways to engage our membership. We've done headshot events, as I said, we've done canvassing and phone banking. Um, we've done more fun events. We've done like discussion events. Um, so engagements up. People are interested. People want to be involved. You know, as a school, we're two blocks from the White House, so there's no better place to get involved in politics. Um, so I, I'm really pleased with where things are at, um, and I think you know we can only go higher from here.
0: Going back to your to your point about the uh, the watch party, you know, I again knocking on wood about uh, the elections. Maybe uh, the locations for our watch party versus the Dems' watch party will reflect uh, the turnout, uh, but we'll see. Uh, But anyway, Ezra, thank you so much for coming on today. You're doing a great job as chairman and leading us strongly into the future. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about CRs and all we do, I definitely suggest reaching out to Ezra and others on eBoard, myself included. Uh, That concludes our show for today. We'll be back with another guest, TBA, on our next segment, and we'll have another great discussion. If you have questions for me that you'd like to hear my thoughts on the podcast, be sure to DM our socials, and I'll do my best to address them in an episode in the future. Thank you so much for tuning in to Elephant in the Room, and be sure to follow us wherever you get get your podcasts and and on all of our socials. Have a good week, everyone.